Hi, I'm Cody Alexander of Match Quarters. Welcome to the Art of X show. Today, we're going to be talking about the LA Rams defense, going through a primer, what makes it so special, what makes it different than anything else. Um, obviously, we understand the prowess of Sean McVay, uh, but I think Fangio and Staley really have done a mark on the NFL in terms of the defensive side. Obviously, Fangio being kind of the godfather of this system, and, and he's developed it. I think Staley has created his own style, obviously using the penny package which is a 5-1 package where Fangio is more of kind of a, a nickel base four down base but the way the system operates is very similar the philosophy obviously is there uh, so today we're going to break down kind of how the Rams are structured um, McVeigh has become kind of this wonder boy I think in the eyes of a lot of pundits and in a lot of uh, the league officials, as they look around, this is a guy who anybody he touches it turns into gold. You go down the list of people that have worked on the offensive side. They're now uh, head coaches. You go and you look at Staley, obviously coming from the Fangio system and all the different arms of this McVay tree that are now picking guys from the Fangio system. In steps Raheem Morris last year, and I thought it was a lot like what Saban does, and Saban has talked about, even Bill Belichick at the Patriots. Look, we're going to cycle through these coordinators, but the program is a program. We're going to keep the system the same so that there's at least continuity between the players and then the language being used. So I thought Raheem Morris did a really good job last year coming in. It took him a little bit a while to kind of get what he wanted out of that system. And then obviously the end result is a Super Bowl. So what we're going to do is kind of walk through the different steps um, and the different structures, the mechanics, how this thing works, because at the end of the day, we're, we're seeing it all over the NFL now. Uh, I think what you saw with the Chargers in the offseason, what they did with their moves, uh, Staley wants more of a penny package of 5-1. They're still going to have those hybrid safeties and hybrid edges and, and being able to move guys down into the box from a too high shell. You look at what the Broncos did. They didn't really go away from the Fangio system. Uh, they, they hire Hackett, and then they hire the passing game coordinator for the Rams, who's going to come in, who has worked in the system and knows it. You go look at the pack with Barry and you're going to see a more of a more of a uh, Fangio style with 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 four down but you're going to see that five one package in there as well go look at what they did with their off ball backer that they in in Quay Walker who can also be a hybrid edge rusher um, I know that the Rams have talked about with Bobby Wagner moving him around and doing some things like that uh, so it's going to be an interesting year in the NFL. In fact, it's one of the, the years, I don't know of a time within the last decade that I've been excited for a season in the NFL more than I've been excited for a college season. And I, I guess I'm kind of a college guy. So uh, the NFL has really kind of struck with me because of the, the Fangio system and really the kind of the, the different iterations that we're seeing across, across the league. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the five-man rush because that is essentially – what we're looking at when we look at the Rams, okay? It's more than just a coverage-based system. Uh, I think that obviously in the modern game, it is a cover-first mentality. The, the coverage dictates the front. What you're going to see up front obviously is going to be dictated by how the secondary pieces are moving. That being said, 
what the Rams are doing that's so different than anybody else is living in this 5-1 package and have created their own little um, branch of this Fangio tree. Now, don't get me wrong. Fangio's been running 5-1 fronts from a two-high shell. He's been doing it. He did it when he was with the Bears. I think what Staley's done is really put his mark on it and then what Raheem Morris did was kind of evolve that even more into kind of what he wanted. And that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, PFF, uh, 90% of the pressure snaps had a five-man rush, the highest in the NFL. That's not surprising, though, when you go and you look at, well, if they're playing with a five-man front, it's any time that they rush – the, the passer it's going to have five guys now they can drop guys out of it but it's not surprising that when they're doing that that a lot of it's a five-man rush so even when they go to their four down nickel package all they're doing is just inserting a box backer into that uh, and so now you've got your five-man rush and it doesn't really change anything up front it just changes the look for the offense and may change a uh, a protection scheme and so for me this is all an extension of that uh, you go look at any other team it's not even close to being that high um, but that 90 percent from a five-man rush that goes along with that 5-1 package designed to counter pre-snap motion and zone centric offenses so what does that five-man rush uh, aligning with a too high shell why do you get this and so this defense is designed again Pre-snap motion is something that was talked about last year uh, and, and the year before. It's being talked about more and more about how if you use motion, your EPA goes up on offense, which is which is expected points uh, per play. So if you use that, you're actually gaining an advantage on the defense. What's a great way to counter motion is to have a too high shell because it's an even shell. You have guys on either side. Um, Zone-centric offenses that rely on kind of either combo blocking or man blocking. Well, if I put a five-man presentation in front of you, you're going to have to man block it. Well, if I have Aaron Donald, who is a generational player and a future Hall of Famer, now your guard has to account for my one guy and we feel like we can win that if not you're going to double them and now someone else is coming free so now we just got an extra run fitter when you decided that you needed to double Aaron Rodgers so I mean Aaron Donald so leverage plus matchups equals win and that's that's their formula for success they're using leverage in the secondary they're using leverage on the front end and they're winning more than they are losing. And that's kind of the thing with the whole F them picks thing that is kind of a misnomer. Uh, yeah, they go after those premium talents in the way that they structure their roster, but they're doing that to gain a, a leverage point somewhere, right? Like Aaron, Aaron Donald, they go, they have on the front. Okay. He's either going to require a double team or we're going to beat the one-on-one. -on -one. Then you go, when you look at a guy like Jalen Ramsey, who, okay, we can X out a single receiver or a single side of the field just by placing him there. Okay, and he's a kind of a hybrid guy that can play in the slot and he can play out, out wide. Then they go and get Bobby Wagner, who he can do whatever you need him to do in, in the box. He can rush. He can come off the edge. He can drop into coverage. So what they're doing now is now they have kind of like what we talk about on offense is you got to have triplets, right? Now, obviously, you want to have a great quarterback, but if you can have three guys that that quarterback can attack it, the defense with you're probably going to have more success than if you just had one or two so it's kind of finding that what they've done is they've essentially done said okay we know on offense you got to have three guys that can change the game 
Now we're going to try and do that on defense and see if it does it. And, and, and look, the, the ceiling's already, or the floor, I guess, is already high for the Rams defense. Um, it's kind of getting those, those mid-range picks as well that are going to hit home. And, and the one thing that when you look at the way that they draft, when you reduce the amount of picks or when you reduce it down to, okay, we've got to hit home in these mid, these midday picks, these, these third round, fourth round, fifth round picks, those are the guys that we got to hit home in. And you're like, okay, well, what do we need? You can really reduce the surface area of what you're trying to look for and what your scouts are going out there for. So it's like, look, we're looking for this particular player, go find guys that can do this. Okay. Well, that reduces everything down to where guys can really, really kind of hone in on what they're doing. And it makes the scouting part easier. And again, when I, instead of looking at everybody and having this massive board, look, we only have a, a, a tiny board. Right. We, we already know if, if, when we're in this range, we're only getting these guys and it just makes everything easier. And so, again, it goes down to that roster building matches of philosophy, uh, it, the way that they're going for stars in certain areas to X out parts or to put pressure on on offenses. It, it, it matches to what they're doing scouting wise and with with their draft picks. OK, the under tackle is back. That's what we're looking at in Aaron Donald. Okay, Warren Sapp dominated weak guards in the early 2000s from the underfront Tampa 2. The Tampa 2 couldn't work because of the way this coverage structure is, right? It's it's really it's it's seven man spacing, right? You have seven guys in the box. The issue becomes though is that Mike linebacker is constantly in conflict because he's got to run the pole, right? He's got to close the middle third. Okay, so part of the issue up front was you got to have a three tech that can absolutely dominate. And that's what they have in Aaron Donald. Okay, Aaron Donald is essentially just a reiteration of, of Warren Sapp. I wrote in hybrids about how we, we just cycle through right? The, the history is very cyclical. It's on a flat, it's a flat circle. We just have the same things happening over and over. The problem is that time doesn't stop. So as we go forward, these different iterations of things, they come back. So all we're looking at now is the under tackles back, right? But you're doing it from a five-man front to maximize the leverage on that guard. So five-one alignments allow him to get one-on-ones or doubled. And the moment he gets doubled, someone's coming free. Either your box backer, your solo backer is completely free and he can just track the back or one of your edge rushers is coming, right? Because that, if you're going to double, you got to bring that tackle down on top of them, right? You're, you're leaving the guard. Now you got to bring the tackle down. You're, you're basically wedging them in between two, two big bodies, right? Well, that means one of the edge guys is coming free. Okay. Okay. If you move a tight end over there, I mean, guys, we've seen this over and over and over again. If you use a tight end on an edge, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a lot of production out of that. I, I've seen clip after clip after clip of a tight end just getting destroyed by an edge. Or, yeah, it's stagnant. But, again, offenses don't want stagnant movement from the front. They don't want to just hold that spot. But with, that's exactly playing into what the – defense wants if he's doubled someone's free he had 98 sacks entering entering this year he's got 98 sacks entering this year now what is donald different he is can go from nose all the way to a five technique and i guarantee you if you stood him up at nine at a nine tech as as the hybrid edge he could do that too he's now again he's a hall of fame first ballot 
no questions asked. He's the best defensive player probably in the NFL. But what they do with the front mechanics, allowing him to move around, all they're doing is they're pinpointing where's your donkey, right? Where Where is the guy that sticks out like a sore thumb? And then that's where we're going to line up Donald, and then we're just going to hammer that nail until it doesn't exist anymore. And, and that's what they do. Go look at the Packers-Rams game from two years ago. And when Donald was hurt and the Packers just it destroyed them in the run game, right? And they did it, and it was just kind of soft hit after soft hit after soft hit. And then in that second half, it just became, you know, instead of those five, six yards, it became 10, 20, 30-yard runs. Guys, if you're in the late in the game and they're hitting those, those yards, then it's, it's game over. So you can see how – Having Donald as a leverage point, as a stressor on that offense, it, it works with the front mechanics of what they're trying to do. And that's why the 5-1 front is so dominant in this system. Are they running four downs? Of course, they're running a four-down nickel, right? It, the 2-4-5. Okay, they're running that. But they're living in this 5-1 penny, penny package because of what they can get with Aaron Donald. So let's talk about their base front. Base front is a tight front. And I think, you know, we started seeing the tight front really come on about five years ago in, in 2017 it got really hot in 1819 uh you started seeing it kind of cool off in 20 as offenses kind of figured it out and then last year especially at the college level you saw more teams going to a four down well one of the issues with the tight front is the lack of rush so how do we solve the problem of a lack of rush in the tight front well if you're running like a, a like the Saban nickel mint stuff, where essentially it's a four down front, but you're 404 with a, a walk up, walk up jack backer and edge rusher, right? Well, you got to constantly be bringing someone off the other edge. It's what I call blitz to bear. So we are constantly doing that. Well, the only thing that you can do behind that is, is really is run some fire zones or some cover one. So you become predictable. You're middle of the field closed. You're not let, you can't really leverage a lot of these routes anymore. The offense kind of has an idea. Okay. Moment. I see that nickel creeping in. Now we got this. Um, can you run some trap two stuff? Of course you can run trap two, but again, we're talking about an NFL where these quarterbacks is the moment that, that, that they can kind of understand what you're doing. It's game over. Right. And especially in the NFC West, where each team has a relatively decent quarterback, you're, you know, you're kind of in trouble. Uh, obviously, this year, Wilson's going to be with the Broncos, um, but you still have, a, you know, a situation where, look, if we're playing this, this quarterback, right, they're going to play in the, they're going to play the AFC West this year. So if, if they're loaded, right, at quarterback. So if we're doing this and we're giving up and, and we're kind of showing our cards all the time and we're constantly blitzing our nickel corner, which in the NFL has come much more important than at the college level, I think what you're seeing there is we've got to find ways to get to these five-man fronts without sacrificing everything in between. And I feel like with the Fangio system in this penny package, that's essentially what you're getting. Okay, so let's talk about front mechanics. Nickel tight equals a soft C gap, right? I just, I just explained that. You have two guys in the B gap, you have a nose, and then you have a walk-up jack, uh, or he can be flexed out depending if it's a, if it's a four-open set, right? Okay, uh, if it's by one, he's probably walked up, and you're rotating the secondary to the, to to the passing strength. 
So again, you are blitzing the C gap, you're slamming the C gap shut, you're putting somebody in that open C gap. So what you're doing essentially, what's the Cody, Cody what's the trade-off between running a four down with even spacing and then running, running this, this tight front, right? Is you're closing the B gaps. There are no conflict players at the second level. Okay, that's essentially what you're doing. You're getting rid of the, those conflict players. The, the modern spread attack lives in the B gap. So if I get rid of the B gap, I'm now one step ahead of it, right? The issue becomes in these nickel, these nickel sets, these mint sets, is that you have an open C area. How are you going to close that? Especially if they put a, a tight end in that C gap, okay? Now they essentially have two gaps on you. You have the outside shoulder of the tight end, inside shoulder of the tight end. How are you going to close that? Because if you take that inside backer, that off-ball backer, and you go fit them outside that tight end, you're a gap short, right? So that becomes the issue. In a lot of these, a lot of these fronts that you see that, that a lot of these teams that run the mint or the tight stuff is how do we get to this? So what you're seeing now is more under fronts and more four down fronts from an over base because you can get the pass rush and you also have the angles in the run game. Yeah, you get, okay, the, the B gaps open, but in a pass first game, especially at the higher levels, it makes more sense for me to ensure I have a pass rush than to leave these guys in the B gaps. And remember, at the NFL level, a lot of times these guys are like 300 pound dudes, right? Okay. And they're not all Aaron Donald. They're not all able to work from B gap to C gap and, and edge rush, right? During, during a pass. And you don't want to always be dropping eight. There are certain situations and there are certain offenses that you want to drop eight, but you don't want to always do that all the time. You want to be able to apply pressure, okay? Traditional pressure, right? That's four-man rush. At the NFL, you just don't see a lot of uh, sims and creepers uh, at, at a high volume, off-ball sims especially, uh, and creepers because of the coverage aspect. The moment that you vacate something, you, you, you voided it out. And if you have an edge rusher, that's elite, right? Which all the all these NFL teams feel like they have an elite edge rusher, right? They, hey, this is our dude. He's going to rush a quarterback. Well, then why why would you drop that guy into coverage all the time? Okay, especially like with Fangio and the Broncos, you don't want Vaughn Miller or Bradley Chubb, especially Bradley Chubb, who's two seventy right? Almost pushing 280. You don't want him in coverage all the time. And it also ch changes the coverage structure that you have. If I'm constantly dropping a big man into coverage, I've got to give him a spot. Uh, I've got to give him a spot. Like he can't just be matching. I can't have him turning and running in a column, right? With his back turn. He, he's 200, 270 pounds. What are we doing? Right? So I think, and this is why I'm such a fan of this system, is the 5-1 front solves a lot of these issues, right? Because now, if I am spot dropping these guys, it's just to either on top of the running back or it's kind of a wall two player. I'm not asking him to go cover a bunch of guys, right? And we can use movement, slight movements up front to get to these things, right? And then these wide nines, they box everything in. It's awesome, right? Wide zone. Okay. How do we defend the wide zone? How do we defeat wide zone? We'll have solid edges on either side, right? Okay. Well, what if they, okay, coach, what, they're going to run wide zone and then they're going to have boot action. Well, hey, did you not check the other side? We got it. We got an edge rusher on the other side. So I've clogged both B gaps. I'm controlling your center with the, with the nose. 
Okay. I'm building a wall on one side. And then if you feel like you need a boot, I got an edge rusher careen into the spot for the quarterback when he turns around. That's the other thing that I've seen. You don't have these guys surf teching down the line anymore. It's on these wide zone on plays because they know the only pass I'm not going to get there. It's not in a, in a wide zone. It's not going to roll all the way out the back door. Okay. This isn't zone. And these, and you can tell the difference between zone and outside zone by how the offensive line steps. If the offensive line is going horizontal and fast, it's wide zone. If they're just kind of duck walking and working in tandem, it's either duo or inside zone, right? Depending on the depending on the back aiming point. So if I know that as a DN and I see that tackle just scoop real quickly to try and overcut the the four eye. Well, then I know, okay, man, this is going horizontal and fast. I need to climb and look at, and the quarterback's got his back turned to me. Man, I need to go right now to the to the spot because I know he's turn, he's coming around. So I think the, what this is and the beauty within this is that the way that it's set up is to attack these modern offenses, right? You're, you're creating these one-on-ones across the line of scrimmage, but then leveraging yourself against zone teams and also these boot actions in these wide zones. We're building walls and we're funneling the back into these phone boot tackles which i think is important so let's talk a little bit more about front structure in the fangio system you have a base tight three four okay you're going to have two inside backers stacked in 30s you're going to have two four eyes you're going to have a zero nose that is the base structure of these right okay i think everybody kind of understands that it's your typical odd front three four that's for heavier groups that's for the 12 personnels when they've got their run blocking tight end in and then 21 personnel when you're playing a team uh like for instance the shanahan offense that has 21 personnel uh you're playing lamar jackson with the ravens and they love 13 personnel 21 personnel 20 they're doing all the heavy stuff you're going to be playing this you're getting big bodies in there okay nickel is your over two four five this is like your aranda peso stuff if you've ever watched wisconsin you know they had all those those big time linebackers all the way across the board why would you take those guys out and that's the that's the whole kind of point with the with the nfl there's a difference now between an outside linebacker edge and a dn a DN now is you've got to be able to play a five technique to a four eye and sometimes even a three technique. And so to me, there's kind of a difference. And you have difference too within what is an outside linebacker in a four down defense versus an outside linebacker in a, you know, a three, four. It changes. But what we're seeing now is I think when teams want to go, they're basing out of a three, four because they can get into the tight front. They can build walls with it with knives. Okay. Then you, you go from there. And especially with Fangio at the Broncos, it was, look, if we're going to go into a nickel set, we're getting into a four down and we're going to, we're just going to take the nose off. We're going to move one of our tackles into a G, which is a two I, and we're going to move our other D in inside. And we're going to move him into a three. Cause let's be honest. What's the difference between him playing a four I and a three. He just moves from the outside uh, uh the uh, the inside of the tackle to the outside of the guard so so not a lot has changed uh just kind of a little bit of your reads change uh you can be more of attack mode when you're in a three technique than in a four eye four eyes more of a, a, a react and then I, I attack but then you have the penny front which is what i think most of the time if you if you were to ask somebody hey you've seen the rams defense what are they playing oh man they're playing that five one stuff 
right? That's the penny package, right? With multiple different fronts. They don't always have to run the tight. They can run over reductions. They can run under reductions. They can run uh, where the nose is on the weak side, which I call eat. They can run where the nose is on the strong side, which I call slide. That's all. And all that is, is weak eagle, strong eagle. So anybody that was playing football back in, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, they know kind of the eagle defense, right? Um, and so all you're doing is moving around these leverage points. And what great game Gaines gives the, the Rams is kind of a utility player, much like Cooper Cup on the offensive side. He can, he can like, right, Cooper Cup can block. He can go deep. He can run across. He can gain separation when he needs to. He can do everything for that offense. Well, Greg Gaines on the inside can do the same thing. He can hold a gap. He can be a two-gap nose and, and be zeroed up. He can control the center. He's the workhorse that allows Aaron Donald to get that one-on-one. -on -one. So they can shade him to Aaron Donald's side to ensure, okay, we've got a three-on-three -three over here. There's no way that they're going to double without someone being free. Um, and I think what that what the five-man front gives the, in, in this system is it gives the best of both worlds. It's a hybrid front. They, can, they have athletes on the outside. They have one box backer who's either fitting the A-gap or he's chasing down the back on the outside. And then you have a too high structured uh, secondary that can you can mix and match where you put those safeties. Maybe they spin down to the tight end. Maybe they spin weak. Maybe he goes into, uh, into he's the three-up player this time. Maybe he goes out, out into the flat. You know, they have a ton of different things that they can put in the secondary. I've always argued it's easier to play down than it is to play back in the secondary it's easier for me to work down and see what's going on and leverage myself properly than it is for me to already be down there and then to have that oh crap moment i got to get back uh, because any kind of play action and we 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 We've seen it millions of times. If I'm a secondary player, I'm not used to playing in the box. I know I've got a gap, right? Or, hey, I got to fit here. If I go put, put myself down there and I get run action, boom, I'm gone. I'm, I'm flying up in there. Um, and, and it takes the seasoned guy, the guy that's maybe had a little bit of linebacker experience in his background to then be able to say, okay, I need to be patient, be patient, be patient, and then be able to pop out. I, and that's where I think this, this goes, right? And so what they do is they have this penny package right? That they can do a bunch of different things out of. And then they have their four man rush where you get your traditional calls and pressures. These are where you get your traditional creeper pressures, right? Your replacement pressures. This is where you're getting your traditional four down rush. And, you know, kind of where, where you're just kind of seven man drop coverage and, and that's what you're getting. So to me, that's how that structures. And then on behind that is that too high defense, right? More teams are running a too high shell. Okay. You see it over and over again. Go look at a heat map of Mahomes from this year compared to 2020, right? It's completely different. Everything's running too high shell. He's having to throw everything underneath. And, and it's going to be an interesting, one of the things I'm looking for this year is how the Chiefs are evolving. How are the Rams going to evolve? How are these things going to evolve as more teams start kind of mirroring this too high shell? Now, again, it is not necessarily middle of the field open coverage. They're not running quarters. They're not running cover two. In fact, the Rams ran a lot of middle of the field close coverage. They ran single high a lot, but they're doing it from a different presentation. I'm a big believer in a static pre-snap picture for the quarterback and the offensive coordinator i want everything to look the exact same no tails right and that's what this defense does 
Okay. The only tell is like where, where the linebacker kind of shades, right? Okay. Where he leverages himself. He's going to leverage away from wherever the safety's dropping. That's really kind of the only tell. And a lot of it has to do with the front structure and where the nose is located. So where's the open a gap? Cause the primary a gap defender is going to always be that mic. Now you go three by one. It changes back to the safety because you just pushed everything over. So you got to kind of have an understanding of where is that safety dropping. But what they're doing up front is they're saying, look, we can win the one on ones. Right. And by having this two highs defense, you're countering pre snap motion in your play action. Right. Because if I'm a quarterback and I'm under center and I turn around and I'm like, okay, I know I have a two high shell, there's no real tell. And then all of a sudden I turn her back around. Not only do I have edge rushers right at me, okay, because it's play action, but now I've got to decipher in split second of where who dropped. I've got to be able to get my eyes back to whatever safety, and normally it's the weak safety, right? So my, my post-snap read is now to the weak safety. Well, the other thing about playing high and not necessarily giving this safety a primary gap, because that's the other thing that you have to understand. In my fit support, in my primary support, and my secondary support. In fit support, that's a lot of times what you're seeing is you have a safety stacked on top of an outside linebacker or an overhang. Wherever that overhang fits, I'm fitting opposite. That's fit support, okay? And that's a slow. Again, I can be flat foot or I could pedal back a little bit, but I know all I got to do is if it's run, I'm just fitting off that guy. That's why it's called fit support. Then you have primary support. Primary support says I have a gap. In that gap, I've got to get to that gap. So I'm going to play flat foot. The moment I see run, I've got to trigger down. A lot of teams will do this also, and they'll play a sink technique by that, tie, that, that safety, and he'll start creeping down, and then he'll sink down post-snap. Okay, and so that way he's at least linebacker depth by the time the ball is snapped. Uh, you, you have, on the other hand, secondary support. That's your cover two shell, right? Those safeties, you can't play. And I've, you know, and I've had arguments with coaches about this before. It is Im impossible to be a very good cover two team and then also tell your safeties they got to fit primary in a gap. That you're changing the leverage points. You can't tell them, hey, you got to bail out and be be deepest, deepest. You got to get into, you got you to cap those verticals. Oh, but by the way, you also got to go fit the C gap right here. It doesn't work like that. That's why you have cloud force. You have sky force. Okay. Cloud force is corner. Most of the time in cover two, you're going to have the, that. You're going to have cloud force. That guy's going to be coming. He's going to be setting the edge. And then you have the safety as the overlap player. So you've got to make sure that you understand and these safeties understand in my fit support and my primary support or am I secondary support. What the two high defense does combined with this five, one shell is the safety knows that really I'm just fit support. I can flat foot read this thing. It, I don't need to go slam into the box if it's, if it's not a run. The moment that I know it's a run, then I can sink myself down in, in there knowing that the gap isn't going to change, right? That the, the box backer already has a guy in there, right? He's already in that gap. So I don't necessarily have to slam down to get in there. And that, that slow roll i mean that guy's waiting 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 well that quarterback's holding the ball holding the ball holding the ball okay it must be too high coverage and then i throw the ball into where okay the too high window is and then next thing i know it's middle of the field close uh so it's a top down mentality and it muddies the read for the quarterback if they want to play quarters all they got to do is run some sort of a reduction right where they're just moving either one way or the other and dropping the backer to where they're moving who now can fold in and take up any open gap. 
And so you're, you're again, you're allowing those, those safeties to play high as long as humanly possible. So let's talk about base structure. Okay. The penny five, five, one plus weak rotation three. That is the number one call that you're going to see the Rams run. They're going to have a five man front. They're going to have weak rotation cover three. What's a little bit different in the fan, like from Fangio is that he has like a three, what he calls three Y. And so they're just motioning down. They're moving that safety down to wherever the tight end is. Okay. And they're just, and they can do this. And the nice thing about this system is that they really can, they can spin that safety and they don't have a strong or a weak safety. Okay. They don't have field boundary because it's the NFL. I just, I use field boundary in my, in my images a lot of the times just to kind of give you a visual of strong and weak. Right. Uh, so where they're on the hash, where's the wide side, where's the, where's, where's the, where's the short side in the NFL. It's really negligible at best. And so what they're doing is it, the Rams spin weak a lot, which makes sense by the way, the way that they do their coverages. And, and primarily the NFL is a, a three by one league anyway. So spinning weak allows you to kind of cut any kind of crosser. Okay. And it goes well with the way that they structure their cover six, which in, which is inverted. So they go, they go half quarter, quarter. Um, you got with this that they can spin two players they can spin to the tight end or they can spin weak or strong depending on what they want. And so it each call in the secondary has that in its game plan, right? And instead of a true two gap, all those defensive linemen have to do is work the shade. I'm working a gap. If I need to get across my primary defender, I can. Knowing that I have ball fit backers, people that are, are working fluidly around so that I can cut anything off uh, so that if I cross their face, they'll just fall back. And this is typical odd front fits, right? Stack, track, fall back, right? I'm stacking my anchor point. I'm tracking the back. And when it cuts back, I fall back into the gap. If it doesn't ever cut back, I then just, I keep going out the front door with it. Um, so you have these, what I call a flow read, or uh, some people call it a ball fit. Uh, and you do it from the safety as well. They pop, pop, pop. The moment I see that that there's going to be some sort of run, then I'm, I'm working down a linebacker le level, knowing that I'm leveraging, I'm working in tandem with, with, the, with the linebacker in front of me. If they want to run quarters, what they now do is they either get kind of in and I'm moving to an overfront, so we're moving we're going to be in kind of our, our tight base and then everybody's going to move over a gap so we're going to everybody's going to kind of shift over uh, to to that uh, where now the nose goes to a G he steps to the guard your four eye now goes to a five and then you're dropping that guy down. You can't get under reductions. You can move, you can move the other way as well. So you can, you can drop the guy to the passing strength or you can drop the guy away. Most of the time they drop the guy away because again, this is a weak rotation defense for the most part quarters and it is inherently weak rotated uh, it, the way that it plays out most of the time uh, or what you can do is you can get what I call a read pop which is when you're three in your five technique and again if you're running the, a, a tight base this is really easy to read is that you just kind of move the nose to one side and then that open gap you kind of just let that tackle and, and, and edge rusher work together. If the tackle fans out, he takes a stab and he just comes back inside. 
And then they're basically wedging the tackle. They're both stepping to the tackle. The tackle faces the jack. He's going to fold inside. If the tackle blocks down, then the edge is just going to kind of hang in what I call the hover technique. He's going to hover around the line of scrimmage no more than three yards. Or if it's if it's a passing down, he's pass, he's going to get going. And then the tackle kind of recognizes, okay, it's pass. I'm going to start working to a cop. But you're not going to get a big pass rush out of that unless you activate the, the the edge rusher and he can actually fold back inside and actually attack um but on on early downs you would probably do that so these are the different ways that they get this they like read pop out of a nickel more than they will run it out of a five-man front but you can run this out of a five-man front um, but the primarily where you see this is when uh they feel like they can get a one-on-one -on -one back inside and when you're gonna run quarters you've got to find a way to get the safety out of the box and an easy way to do that is to repop that. And now your edge rusher, as he folds back inside, now I've got that four-man rush with two people in the box, allowing those safeties to have the regular distribution. And then obviously being that fit support or slow support on the edge as a force player, if you need them there. So that's kind of the, the base structure. So let's talk about where we're headed. Okay. Rams with the addition of Bobby Wagner is telling. Okay, uh, Raheem Morris, probably probably more of a 3-4 guy. I don't see them going away from a lot of five-man fronts, but to me, what this is telling is it's kind of the all-11 offensive concept that, that uh, I think people got used to during kind of the uber spread days about, you know, probably about, oh, five, seven years ago where people were like, look, let's just keep all 11 on the field and let's go as fast as we can. That way they can't personnel us. Well, if I'm a defense – you can't, I don't have packages anymore, right? Because one of my inside backers can go down on the line. And we saw this play out. Denver did a little bit of this. The Chargers did a little bit of this. Uh, but Staley, obviously, with the way that he wanted to go get Khalil Mack, gives him another solid edge rusher. You can tell that he wants to run some of these 5-1 fronts, but it gives him that leeway if he wants to run his nickel package that he's got two elite edge rushers. Uh, but there's no tells when you have that typical either 2-4-5 or uh, you're 5-1, but that other guy is a walk down inside linebacker. They can't tell, okay, is he going to pop back and they're going to move guys? Are they going to start doing some pre-snap movement to mess with some teams? Are they going to do, you know, I, I can't tell. As, as a guy that's looking at the personnel, I'm like, coach, it's not changing. They're, they're the same personnel, but then they come out in a penny look, and then the next snap they come out in a nickel look, uh, and they're just they're kind of that yo-yoing to get what they want with your packages. Now you've got some issues there as an offense. You, you just don't have any tells. And it goes with the philosophy, right? It goes with the, hey, static static alignment pre-snap you have no idea where the bullets are going to come from uh and we're just going to we're going to come in hot post-snap off-ball backers need to be able to rush in order to be transcendent right they if you want to be they're they're kind of becoming the running backs of the defense right we kind of went through this a couple years ago running backs don't matter right now we're kind of seeing this kind of linebackers don't matter until the, unless they're transcendent right like if they want to transcend into that elite not only do you got to be able to be great in coverage you got to be able to tackle which you've always had to do but hey man you also need to be able to rush i think with what the packers did with bringing in Walker, somebody that has experience edge rushing, but also playing that box. I think that's really telling Bobby Wagner going to the Rams. Hey, this is one of the best backers in the game. 
let's go get them. We can now it kind of opens up Pandora's box, right? We can do whatever we want. Um, and as, within our base structure, edges are not going away. Safeties are becoming more important. With the, with the, I think a couple of years ago, the Rams were one of the first teams to use a green dot on, on the safeties, right? Because the, the coverage dictates the front. The coverage is dictating the fits. The coverage is dictating what's going on ahead of them. And so to me, that, that's where we're seeing. Edge rushers aren't going away any, at any time soon. If anything, they're getting more important. Safeties obviously are getting more important. And then we're seeing the two trees of the system, right? Are you going to be a 5-1 penny package or are you going to be more of a nickel attacking with four down? And how those two are going to mesh, what volume you're going to use those, probably going to come down to defensive coordinator preference, but also personnel preference. So that's kind of where I see this defense heading. Thanks for joining me today. Um, make sure to visit matchquarters.substack.com. I've got a deal going all the way through June where you get 20% off on the sub. So that brings it down almost a whole dollar a month. Um, obviously, you can find all of my articles on matchquarters.com. Go to the archive, go to the template shop where I've got a 20% off on that. Type in promo code June22, which I'll have that in, in the show notes. Follow me on Twitter. Follow the hashtag Art of X and find all of my books using that QR code. Thanks for joining me today on another great episode of The Art of X Show.